0: So what a tremendous demoniacal figure. What sort of feeling, what sort of image does this conjure up? It's this sort of thing that Padma Sambhava was up against. It's in a way this sort of thing that we're up against. Because this great figure, Mottarangara, is lurking in the depths of our own mind. Huh? In fact, lurking in the depths of all our minds, lurking in the depths of the collective unconscious, lurking in the world, lurking in mundane existence, in fact, in a sense, is mundane existence. In a sense, doesn't even lurk. Later on in the story, <laughs> this great Rudra, huh? this great fierce one, that is to say, Tarpa for black salvation is subdued eh, by a sort of, if you like, incarnation of Padmasambhava in a very strange and dramatic way. We're not going into that now. We're not going into that this evening. But subdued he was and transformed into a protector of the Dharma. Even he. So from these sort of figures, these strange figures of the gods and demons, the Dakinis, eh, this sort of cosmic... Figure, huh? the black salvation we can get some idea of the work some idea of the task of Bhadmasamava some idea of the task of the Guru what the Guru has to transform huh? and what in a sense we too have to transform when I was reading that passage about uh, Maturangara I was reminded of a few similar figures huh? in our own tradition in the West perhaps not quite so extraordinary or dramatic or powerful, but none that is of much the same kind, which spell out much the same kind of meaning, much the same kind of message. How many of you, I wonder, have heard of Yurizan? Hmm? huh? Students of Blake, yes. Huh? Who is Yurizan? He's much the same sort of figure as this Matarangara, uh, from a somewhat different point of view. Yurizan. It's your reason, according to some commentators. Your reason, originally the prince of light, originally the illumined intelligence, so to speak, fell. He falls into duality. He limits himself, he contracts, and he starts seeing the world in a very narrow, limited sort of way, uh, just with his reason and just through his senses. So he confines himself, he constricts himself, and he sort of explores simply this constricted, confined existence being all the time in the dark and he tries to bring everything under his own control. This is his great feature. He tries to bring everything under rational control. He prescribes laws. He's also the sort of God of the Old Testament. He tries to bind everything, hold everything down, limit everything, constrict everything. He doesn't want anything to be free. He doesn't want anything to be spontaneous. He wants to have it all bound down. He wants to have it all sort of reduced to order, which is actually disorder. Yeah? Because the, the disorder which he wants to reduce to order is in fact not disorder at all, it's just richness and creativity. But, so this is your reason, the limiting reason, huh? seeing the whole universe just in terms of the, the five physical senses and the rational mind. So he's much the same sort of horrific figure as this Murturangara of the life and liberation of Padmasambhava another figure that I also think of is one that came to my mind a bit recently and I'm sure this will be much more familiar to at least some of you than you reason and that is the figure of Sauron huh? Huh? in the Lord of the Rings huh? I mean some of you might have been to see that film huh? of the Lord of the Rings or of the first part of it rather and there in the film as in the book the figure of Sauron appears so who or what is Sauron is this sort of almost cosmic principle of evil that is just trying to destroy everything good trying to gain uh, power trying to gather power to himself he's a sort of ego personified he's a sort of cosmic ego if you like he's destructive, he's negative he's death, he's poison but he's trying to bring everything under his control with the help of the one ring which of course he doesn't get but anyway that's another story (laughs) no it's (laughs) Those that know it don't need to be reminded of it. But you see the sort of thing, you see the sort of figure, you see the sort of feeling. There are other analogues in Western tradition but I'm not going into them uh, this evening. So you can see what it is, uh, Padmasambhava, what it is the guru or the Buddha as guru is up against. It isn't enough to sort of skim the sort of spiritual surface of these things and ignore them. Because the flames, as it were, are licking at your heels, and you have to do something about them. You can't just sort of soar above them. You've got to descend into the the flames, as Blake would have said, and you've got to transform them. You've got to walk in the flames and delight in the flames. eh? Enjoy the flames eh? and use the flames, not run away from them into some vague, ambiguous sort of light. eh? Uh, Cool cool and uh, all that sort of thing. So we see... eh? We see uh, in the life and liberation of Padmasambhava, and reflected also in Western tradition, quite often we see these vast primordial archetypal figures and forces as something to be transformed and transfigured, not something to be disowned, something to be brought within the sphere, so to speak, of the spiritual life. And this is what Guru represents. Hmm? This is what Padmasambhava represents. And again, this is why we're celebrating Padmasambhava's day this evening, or today, in fact.